Hello, welcome back to Sassy. I think you guys really enjoyed our episode last week. And so today we are doing part two of how to deal with your Asian parents. Part two. So this is a specific emphasis on the financial component, all things related to money and parents and dealing with that. And then after that, we're going to talk about some of our biggest tips and tricks for how to break through and empowering that relationship between you and your parents and some of the biggest lessons that we have learned. Okay, starting off with financial obligations. I know that within every Asian family dynamic, these circumstances can be very different. Let's start off by talking about paying for college. Do you feel like Asian parents should pay for your college i think so because i feel like from growing up isn't that what your parents talked about all day and all week it sounds like they're like we're trying to save up for so we can get you through college and then you can be on your way what's different is that whereas like uh some other cultures might cut you off at 18 which is technically the legal age where you could kick a kid out and not financially support them without legal repercussions for Asian families, it's usually that I will support you until you finish college. Like when you get your first job, right? right? And then there's an expectation for you to go to college. I think if your family isn't able to pay for college from a financial perspective, that's one thing. But I think it's another thing if they can and they have the ability to pay and they choose not to. But it's also different, right? Some colleges, like people get scholarships. But that's what I'm saying. If they can pay for it and they choose not to, I think it would be difficult for me not to feel some type of resentment. Yeah, but I think it's a conversation that they should have with you earlier on so that you are aware of their expectations and not be caught off guard. I think there are some unfortunate situations that some of my friends have gone through where they get into like a good college, but Mm. the tuition is like insane. And then they get into a less prestigious college Mm -hmm. that they didn't want to go to as much, but it was much, much cheaper. They have to make the financial decision, which I think is fine, but it's unfortunate given that the decision was basically purely based on finances than where the kid wanted to go i think expectation setting is the most important and not every parent can pay for stuff but there are certainly things that parents can do to support their kid and i think it's an immense amount of pressure because your parents likely have pushed you your entire life to be like you need to get into the best college you need to get into harvard princeton yale whatever it is and then like there are so many people who i know who get into these schools but like you said they choose a more affordable in-state option because financially it's what makes the most sense but it's hard to not be upset when you work so hard for this outcome and in the end your parents are like why don't you just go to the cheaper option yeah I think I can say this now because I went to my dream school and I went to my top choice but now looking back no matter what school I had chosen to go to it would have been a very similar education but what would have been different is the network and the people around you but If I had not had the opportunity to go to my dream school, I think it would have a lot of resentment now. Like, oh, like, what would my potential be like if I could have gone or whatever? How did you end up financing college? My parents paid for most of college, yeah. Including living expenses and everything? They had me loan like small amount every year just to like put pressure on me. But it was the Perkins loan. So it was like 5,000 a year that they said that I should pay off. And how do you feel about that pressure? It's okay, I mean. Do you feel like it was necessary to put pressure on you? I don't think so because I had to go to med school and then there was more 
more loans and more loans. There's enough pressure already. Oh, I think so too. Do you think it was a conversation where it was like, do you want to take out the loan? Or was it like, you must take out the loan? I think it's hard to have that conversation with your parents since I'm like the firstborn son. If they ever mention it, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I, I don't know. I have a, I didn't really negotiate with them. I was probably more <laughs> like, negotiate. it's fine. I'll do it. I mean, I think it's part of my personality where I don't want other people to have to rely on. I'm not like advocating myself to my parents. I mean, my parents are important. Their money is important for them and for yeah. the rest of my family. Like I didn't want to show sense of weakness. I don't know if it's a cultural thing. To that's fair. It's like if I can take out the loan and I'm not going to be starving to death, that's fine. And they're supporting me in still other ways. So I guess didn't have to pay off the loans immediately. Those Perkins loans go until you're done with school. So like, I didn't really understand the implications of what that meant. But now they've snowballed and consolidated into your med school loans, which I mean, that's a whole different issue on its own. Yes. Please listen to my podcast episode about loans. How was your college financed? I was pretty set on going to an in-state school because the tuition is cheaper and because I am from California, UCs are a really great option where you literally get to go to the top public schools and pay the least amount of tuition. I was very diligent about applying to scholarships and as a minority and as a woman, there are a lot of scholarships specifically geared for those groups and I mean, I probably submitted like over 100 applications and out of the 100, I got like, I don't know, maybe 10 and they range from as little as $250 I feel like for one of them That's I had another one yeah I had another one that was like 500 and some of them literally just give you a check which is pretty crazy and others deposit them into your school account but the biggest one that I got was from UCLA and I got another one from a company who gave me 10 grand a year. And because I was paying in-state tuition, I don't remember the exact amount, but it was between, I want to say roughly 15,000 a year. So that basically covered the majority of it. And then during the summers, I did have summer tuition because I was in nursing school. There were required clinicals over summer. So my parents did help me pay for the tuition in those quarters. And they also helped pay room and board. So my rent was $6.50 a month in a triple. <laughs> Lived with two other girls, shared one bathroom. And what else? All, oh, all the like food, clothes, things that I bought, all of that stuff, I worked myself and paid for myself because I worked roughly maybe like 30 hours a week during college. Overall, I was very lucky to leave debt-free, and thankfully, my entire college education was cheaper than some private school's tuition for one singular year. I mean, I knew I didn't want to put myself in a bad position where I wasn't, like, I wasn't sure what my income was going to be, so I didn't want to risk it if I wasn't going to be able to pay that money back, basically. So let's move on a little bit further in life, like in the game of life. Mm-hmm. Now that you have a more stable income... Mm-hmm. and no debt what do you do with that money do you give that back to your parents yeah i think it's really common in asian families to give back to your family in mandarin we call it xiao shun. i actually don't even know that there's like a exact translation of this I don't word think I've in heard english of, heard of this word before in mandarin yeah oh my god this is like my parents favorite phrase of all time yao xiao shun fu mu Basically, you want to give back to your parents. And so I send them money every month. It's not a life-changing amount of money that they can, you know, go buy a brand new house with. But it's like fun money for them to do whatever they want. Do they do whatever they want with the money? No, I know that that money is just sitting in a bank account somewhere and like accruing interest. I feel like you should just give them like a gift card to like random things every month. I don't know how they would feel about it. Like $500 to like 
I fly like indoor skydiving. No, my parents are all about the cash. I sent it to my parents via Venmo because they're very young and trendy and they want to be like up with the trends. But sometimes I'll forget to send it and they will Venmo charge me. Oh man. I mean, now I'm in a very different financial position than I was even a couple years ago when I was a new grad. I have stable income. I have disposable income. I'm adequately contributing to my retirement my investments, like everything that has a bucket that it needs to go to is already been filled. So I think there's like people's doing math and stuff. So from the time that you were born till age, whatever, 18, 22, mm-hmm. the estimated cost of raising a child can be hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not like adding up to a million dollars and then like if there's malpractice in a hospital for a newborn baby then the average projected dollars worth of harm that the kid has is like millions of dollars right like that's how much if they messed up that have to pay the family when you think about that number the dollars that your parents invested in the time that they spent Do you feel like there's a one-to-one obligation to pay that back? Or like, is there a calculation here or there? I would say I'm definitely Asian American. So my values are Asian American. The completely American way to think about it is that you chose to get pregnant. You chose to give birth to me. So therefore, I owe you nothing. This was your choice. And the Asian way to think of it is that, oh, I owe my parents everything. I owe them my life. I owe them money. I owe them my emotional contribution i owe them my time i owe taking care of them until your fingers yeah and you and you owe taking care of them until they pass away one day i think i fall somewhere in the middle where i don't feel like i owe my life to them like yes it was their choice to give birth to me but i am grateful for them and in the ways that i can that will not financially set me back in a way that's unwise i will do my best to support them i think the issue comes in where families expect you to contribute. Because I have to say, when someone tells me I have to do it, you have to send me money, you have to do X, Y, and Z, the less I want to do it. So it's a very, I know that there are families where let's say like the oldest sibling goes to college, they have a job, and then the parents expect them to pay for the younger sibling's tuition or, you know, pay for family's rent. And I think that can be unreasonable. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the situation, like, because it just causes stress. Yeah, and if that's something that you want to do, that's one thing. And if it's something that you have to do, and if it's setting you back in your life, I think you need to have a really big and open conversation about what's reasonable, how much you can fairly contribute to your family without putting yourself into a ditch. And then I think that like a lot of families then issue the ultimatum. So what would you do if let's say your family was expecting 50% of your paycheck every month and it was setting you back, diminishing the quality of your life and they issue you the ultimatum, you either have no family or you continue to contribute. What would you do? Because this is a very real scenario, right? Yeah, I mean, that's tough choosing between your your money and choosing between family. But like, what are they doing with the 50% of your salary? it's for like rent and for your siblings yeah i don't know if i have an answer to that i think it really depends like i would be happy to help them but i would try to make it not like an ultimatum in in my head i'm like well i'm also one of your kids so why am i getting the pressure let's talk about somewhere in the middle like what's something like like, maybe i can contribute 25 percent without or like just tell me what you want to buy and we'll like figure it out rather than just taking a fixed amount oh you're trying to bargain (laughs) i'm not trying to bargain but i'm not trying to have them like it's not like a payment they didn't do that when you were growing up right they didn't give you 40 percent of their salary they Mm -hmm. bought things that you needed 
at the times that you need. So like you can just flip the situation. Yeah. It's not a payment. It's like a help each other. I don't know. It's just the way that you frame how the money is going towards. Do you send money to your family or do you plan to in the future? I don't think I've talked with them about it. They know I still have a bazillion dollars of student debt. We haven't talked about it. They're, they're still both working. They're still like doing fine. But if one day it doesn't come to it, I think we're happy to support them in the ways that we can. Right. I think both our sets of parents have planned for their own retirement in the sense of in a very extreme case, there are families who don't plan for retirement at all because they're like, oh, I'll just live with my kids. They'll take care of me until, you know, until my last moments. I feel like it's much more yeah. common now is to kind of plan for your own retirement, plan for how much you're going to get based on Social Security. And, uh, you know, if you need to be in a home or whatever like they try to allocate for those funds I think both of our parents have thankfully kind of prepared for that and not to say that we wouldn't take care of them but in a worst case scenario like they have their own backs yeah, basically but I think both our parents have the dreams and stuff where it's like oh it would be nice like oh they bought me a car or like oh they got us like planned a vacation for us we didn't have to spend a single dime like like you just did like yeah. I think our both our parents would be really happy yeah. If we did that for them. It's not like things that they would be unwilling to spend for themselves, but it's much easier for us to do it for yes. them. Should I ask this one question that our fan had? The question is, my parents are building their dream home and are now currently retired. They plan to have a room for both of the kids in their new home. How do I approach when they ask for financial support to complete their house? Ooh, that's hard. I, I need more context for how financially independent your parents are and how much money they have saved. I'm assuming they have money because they're building a new house in retirement, which normally you otherwise wouldn't do. I, I could see this either way. I could see this as like, this is your home that you're building and you want me to go home. So it doesn't really make sense for me to contribute at all. But if you really need the contribution, like, yes, I'd be willing but to let's help say pay I say a portion that. of it. So let's go from step by step, right? Let's go from the least toxic to the most toxic. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so let's say that your room, I'm going to move all your childhood stuff and make your room nice. You're going to have a nice room in our new house. Okay. It's going to cost, the, the fraction of cost is going to be Seventy thousand dollars. Can we have that amount? Seventy thousand. Yeah. Who the hell has seventy thousand just lying around? That's like a down payment on a, your own house. The the room is very nice. It's very expensive. I'd be like, I'm sorry, I can't pay that amount. This is the amount that I can contribute. Which is? What 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 would my personal number be? I don't know. Maybe like, where is the house? Is it in like LA or the, is it the, in like the, the total? Burbs? The total house is let's say t like a million and a half. So that was the least toxic that of the scenarios that I was thinking of. Okay. So then the next thing is so there's four of us. Like so let's say that in this situation there's two, <laughs> two kids and two two parents. <laughs> like right? We each pay for yeah. a fourth. Yeah. They would totally say that. <laughs> Or they'd be like, better yet, we raised you, we gave birth to you, y'all should pay for the whole thing. Yes, you that, guys was split my it that was my third situation. The second situation is the construction cost is half a million dollars. Each everybody pulls in 125k, and then you know in the future, once we die, like the parents die, you guys can inherit the home, so it's a good deal for y'all. So. Okay, well, it's unreasonable to ask people to pull that out cash. Like, I'd be willing to take out a loan, sure, but it's unreasonable to ask them to like 
asked me to pay like all cash if I don't have all cash. Okay. So like whatever is within your means of life. I'd be willing to do it, but then I'd be like, okay, well, I'm on the deed then because I paid for it. What if you and your sibling are in like kind of different phases of life? Like That's fine. We pay, the deed is proportionate to what we pay. Okay. I think that is the fairest way, unless you want to be generous and you're okay with paying more and getting less. Let's say we were siblings and I told you that we each have to pay 50-50, but I want 75% of the house. I feel like I could convince you to let you. Probably. I'd be like, what the heck? (laughs) You'd be like, okay. I don't know. I feel like I see the good in people, especially family members and probably kind of toxic, but... (laughs) He just takes advantage of people all the time. Me? Yeah. No, I don't. I feel like I get taken advantage all the time. Wait, you have to say from a financial perspective, I get taken advantage almost always. Yes. I always end up paying more often. I pay for everybody. I want everyone to have a good time. It's not that it has to be 50-50, but when every single time I'm the person giving more, I agree. I it doesn't feel great. When we often get dinners, we like grab the check a little bit more gracefully. But then I feel yeah. like it's awkward when you've offered to pay like the whole bill and then the next time you don't. So then like I feel like I'm in this weird place where like I have to continue to pay. If we went to, let's say, get dinner with someone else and then they said something first, like, oh, let's just split the bill. Do you feel that that's awkward? I don't think so. No. Maybe it's all can, in my head. Yeah, you think? I don't know. I think you're just trying to be nice, but... And I don't care if it's like, oh my God, the meal that they paid for was only 50 and mine was 80. Like, that's not the stuff that irks me. The stuff that irks me is if, if like I'm paying like three times in a row and you still don't. It, it could be a case where I just continue to pay like, you know, whatever. But you have to at least offer. You have to try. The intent matters to me. Okay, so let's talk about the juicy part. We talked about siblings and now let's talk about relationships and being financially savvy because again like we know Asian parents are blunt they will tell you the truth sometimes harsher than it needs to be and if you are dating somebody who is less financially stable or less financially competent than you they will not be shy to tell you that let's say like you're dating someone how do your how does your parents find out what are the data points that are important in them assessing that your partner is or is not financially stable or savvy? What are the questions your parents ask? They probably ask, what's their job? Yeah, what's, what's their, their job? education? What yeah, their what's parent- their education? What do their parents do? Where are they from? Do they have student loans? What? <laughs> they asked That's that? That's a huge question. Yes. Really? Yeah. Did your parents ask that about me? Yes, they did. I didn't yeah. tell them like exactly how much you had or That's anything. The top but 10 questions. I would definitely certainly ask that. It doesn't matter if you have $3 million in the bank if you're also $10 million in debt. And then I think the other thing is that you have to be so careful again about what you share about your partner to your parents. Like maybe if they've made some less financially wise decisions, think about if you really want to tell that to your parents. Because once you say it, again, you can't take it back. I put all my money in crypto when it was highest and now it's $0. Oh God. <laughs> Well, okay, so I watched a video that my friend posted the other day and she straight up point blank said, do not date somebody who is financially unstable. And it is the harshest but truest advice that I think you really need to listen to because, well, dating is fine, but like I think marriage is then a whole nother thing because the number one topic that couples fight about, can you guess what it is? Money. Money. So if you are not even on the same page about money, you're destined for a lifetime of a lot of arguments. But what if you're financially unstable? If you are financially unstable and you want to become stable, you need to come up with an action plan. The request is not that you're already the best, most competent person. The request is that you are on your way to becoming more stable, right? And that comes with 
every lifestyle choice that you make. Like, are you financing a car that you shouldn't be financing? Are you living in a place that's above your means? Every single lifestyle choice reflects your financial competency. What would you do if your family member does not approve of your partner because they are less financially stable than you? But, but, but let's say it's a scenario where you make, for example, you make 300K a year and they make 100K a year. It's not that they're unstable. They're just less, obviously, making less than you are. But you just need to prove to yourself first that you're confident. You have to care about, like, you like this person, right? You should, like, know what their strengths are, what they're good at. Like, and you need to prove that to your parents. Well, I think first you need to convince yourself, like, brutally honestly, is this person financially acceptable to me? If you can prove to yourself that that's okay, for you, then I think then you can take the argument to your parents. But if you don't even really feel comfortable about it, don't then, blame your parents. Right. Because it's probably like coming from yourself. You also need to evaluate that person's potential and their motivation. Potential. No, I'm just saying like some people are more motivated than others. Like some people have the desire to move up and make more money and other people are more complacent and don't have plans to do bigger, better things necessarily. And being really honest, like let's say your partner only makes 50K right now. Are you still okay if they still only make the same 50K in 10 years? Would that drive a wrench through your relationship? Have you ever had like the other... your girlfriend's family look down on you because of your financial situation i'm very cool are you serious yes we do not know who is going to be making more money in the future but we know that we will both be contributing to our family maybe not equally at all times but we will both be doing our best to contribute to the family and that's what's important to us right Mm -hmm. yes bottom line when your Asian parents do not approve of your partner because of their financial situation, I think one, you need to have the courage to stand up for them if they're genuinely somebody that you care and you see a future with. And one, I think you need to be financially independent from your parents first because you're not allowed to have an opinion about finances until yeah. you yourself so are financially independent. Like one way for them to think about it, if you are still dependent on them, is that they're transferring their own reliance from themselves to this new person let's say that you're they're paying your rent which is two thousand a month or one like whatever and then they're like if you're dating this person and this dollar amount isn't going to change anytime soon if you ended up getting married to them then this stress that i'm holding here is is going to transfer to to the other person and they're worried that this other person can't take care of this stress right right? asian parents love to say this one plus one should equal two it should not be one minus one equals zero where you're putting yourself in a worse situation by having another person in your life and once you've gained financial independence from your parents then number two if you have already evaluated and know that your partner is competent enough for you by your standards then you need to be able to stand up to your parents and tell them put your foot down and tell them how you feel be really transparent with them sometimes i think they make a lot of false assumptions so clarifying with them like hey like they're scheduled to get a promotion in one year or they're in school to get this xyz thing or they are already working on investing in whatever thing or they're taking a class to be more competent like what are the actionable items that your parents can see that this person is working on it because i think sometimes you can catch asian parents in their xing run where it's like a lot of times immigrants your kid like they want only the best for your kid right they should only date like bill gates's daughter or something right 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 because they think every child like deserves the best obviously showing them that you are on the 
same team as them. Like, of course, the more financially competent your partner is, the more, the better it is for everybody. How to break through an empowering change and fostering understanding. Wow, this is like a workshop topic. I know, I feel like that's an episode in itself, but I just want to hit some main points. If you are going through a struggle period with your parents, which I think most of us go through sometime in our 20s, I want to reiterate that again, dry periods are very normal. These happen in your friendships. These happen in your relationships and they happen with your family too. There will just be periods where you don't get along as well. You don't talk to them as often. And sometimes space is like a very beautiful thing. It gives both party the headspace to kind of reevaluate their own thoughts and also realize what they've been missing out on, right? Like inevitably, when you don't call your parents, you're like, hey, like, I wonder how they're doing. Like, are they doing okay? It's like a relationship where it's like the weather. The weather shifts and changes their seasons. And I think for some families, love from a distance is the best option sometimes when you are too close to somebody and you see them all the time you just end up butting heads bickering and then you don't appreciate the lovely things that they do bring for you and that's why sometimes living in your parents basement is not the best option because they see every single move you make you go out to the coffee shop you go out late at night you don't come home on time they see every single little action so kind of removing yourself from that and allowing them to not see some of the things that they probably wouldn't see will probably help them love you more it's like curating your social media to only show the things that are happy yes the highlight reel what are some ways that you can love your parents even from a distance visit them yeah you can visit them which feels so much more special right go on a vacation together so like not either of your homes and that kind of helps take your mind off of a lot of the normal problems you can send them money you can send them gifts like what is their love language how do your parents receive love best because you need to know like is it you coming over and doing chores does that speak to them or is it buying them like a thousand dollar bag right every asian parent is different and knowing how they want to be loved i feel like sometimes we forget that asian parents need love the same way that we need love we're still young we're still trying to like do all this stuff and we forget that our parents dedicated their whole lives to us yeah i think my mom and my dad are into like gardening recently mm-hmm. the last couple of years so you just like send them plants and stuff <laughs> and they're pretty happy because they're like it takes a lot of time to make sure this plant is alive yeah, yeah. I, I love that and like helping them find new hobbies my parents will often send me links to things on amazon and they'll be like which one do you think is better and what i'll be like is better and i'll be like okay mom i'll order this for you no problem <laughs> i think if there's little things that you can do to make their day it all adds up and finally a quick little session talking about things that we will or will not do with our kids based on our parents's activities i think we all mickey and i always tease each other like we always i'm like hey mickey you're turning into an asian mom like that those are some asian mom tendencies in what ways am i turning into an like asian you're, mom you're, the biggest thing is like you're superstitious right? i'm so superstitious like no umbrellas at home i get really mad when kevin whistles at night it calls upon like the bad energy like the demons and stuff i would rather not risk it do you know what i'm saying or like something about like going out in the rain the shower don't shower like yeah 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 yeah. 30 minutes after like no showering for 30 minutes after a meal and then she always complains it's like yeah my parents never listen to me i'm a healthcare worker and then i tell her something and she's like 
that's definitely not right. (laughs) I'm like, am I a doctor or no? Kevin similarly is turning into an Asian dad. Kevin out here, like Asian dad posing, squatting for every single photo. And you will, if you look through his camera roll, he just takes random photos of random things. And like, none of these photos can ever be used. for the memories. Like this is like Asian dad activity. What do you mean use? I feel like Asian families always take more photos. Did you see my dad in Japan? Yeah. He took a photo of everything. Yeah, my parents have like, nice cameras and stuff they just take a photo i mean it's not for social media or anything but they just like to take photos yeah like what for like where is that going so what would we do that's the same as our parents for our kids i would definitely force them to learn languages wow force no we will encourage them to learn the no we will force we will speak strictly mandarin at home gosh okay (laughs) i don't even know if you (laughs) i can force you to strictly i'll just be silent at home I hated it as a kid, but I am so proud that I'm now proficient to a native level and that I know how to read and write. Like, how freaking cool is that? Sometimes it's useful. You just need a second language to talk smack about other people. You know, you need like a little... My favorite thing is when we were in like Ranch 99 or something and Mm -hmm. Mickey just decides to gossip to me in Chinese and I'm like, honey, literally, literally, like it's probably better if you speak English here. (laughs) Oh, crap. That's true. That's true. My parents allowed me to date and have relationships. Did your parents allow you to date? I don't think they said no. They were just like, you don't have time for it. And then suddenly sometime during college, they just like, oh, you should probably find a A wife. wife. I think it's different for boys. You guys have more leeway. Girls usually are encouraged not to date until they get a little bit older. My Asian mom's philosophy was like, you do not want to buy a car without test driving it. You want to make sure you date lots of boys or not lots of boys, but boys so that you know which one you like and what's good and what's not good. That's something I deeply appreciate. And I would certainly like, okay, if we have a daughter, would you allow them to date? What would be the minimum age like for them to like have a boyfriend? Like at least 16, 17. I would say like high school. I would drive them on their dates though. I'm sure our daughter would really love having you drive her yes. to her date. Things that we will do differently from our parents. Do you want to talk about this? I mean, I think we're fortunately in a better financial and every situation of the word like Parents had to work hard when they were growing up, I think probably more than we we are yeah, doing as now. Immigrants. Right. So, you know, like when I growing up I was living in a small apartment and now we are, you know, have a nice home. Like our kids will have a nice car when they're literally before they're born. Right? Oh, you mean our car for them to ride? Yeah, in. To, to like come home from the hospital. They'll have right. like won't be like taking the taxi or something or I'm really scared that they're gonna be sp- because I really want to do my best to avoid that and make sure that they're financially competent. Would we give our kids an allowance? Did you get an allowance growing up? No, not really. Me either. I, just, I mean, I would just help out. Like we tried to do some organized way of like, if I help with the dishes or me wop the floor, I get like a couple of dollars. But like, you know, if they you, you need something for like a field trip or whatever, they'll just like... They're like, okay, is this for this? Okay, well. Yeah, that's with Asian parents. So they give you money for this intended purpose, but they don't give you like a regularly scheduled allowance. It's like a grant, you know, like you have to like apply for the money. You do have to apply for it. You have to explain your reasoning and you have to show the data for like the good things that you've done that week. I would probably also not give my kids an allowance because I don't want them to think that money is just free and it, you just randomly get a, a deposit every week. So they need to either earn it in some way or go out and get it in the world, which is what I did. What about this guy? Hello. 
Yes, my parents did not let me have a dog growing up, which I can understand why, because it's a huge responsibility. It's a huge commitment, and it's very difficult to travel when you have a dog, but I would definitely have a dog for my kids growing up. We will definitely probably have more PDA than our parents, I Not would like say. Not like the PDA PDA, but like... Yeah, but like, I think that like you would give like, me a kiss on the cheek, like, you'd give me a hug. Not just physical, but like verbal. Yes, I definitely want to provide more words of affirmation for my kids, which I think partly some of that is like a language barrier for a lot of Asian families. And I want to try my best to reward the effort and not the outcome. Like, let's say they get first place at a piano competition. Like, I want to reward the effort and the the work that went into it and not the outcome. I think I would try more to be involved in like the school activities. I think my parents were a little afraid to be involved in, you know, like the clubs PTA. and things like that because they're like ah oh, my english is not good and like all this other stuff and they're yeah. busy too being involved so you can actually see what the environment is happening is important for i think your kid can we let our kids go to all the school trips i went on all those school trips i remember missing one school trip eighth grade yosemite trip and everybody went except for five kids and my parents reasoning for not letting me go was that I had already been to Yosemite three times this is all when I was younger like maybe like five or six years old and so they were like you don't need to go again so the entire grade went it was a like obviously overpriced right I don't know it's like three four hundred dollars or something and my parents were like you don't need to go on this this and is public school I feel like all the public school trips growing up were like paid for no at least where I lived uh, private school trips are paid for because you pay for it in your tuition. Public school has no money. But it's unfair. It is. It totally is. And so I didn't go and I will never forget not going. And I remember seeing all the pictures afterwards on Facebook and all the kids came back and everybody was like dating someone new and I'd like missed out on all the drama. I will be sending my kids on all the school trips, even if they've been before. So Kevin is going back to residency in roughly a month and the future of our podcast is not completely certain due to this fact we're still working out the kinks and the details financially it hasn't been the best decision i would <laughs> say we did some math and we probably lose we're 900 percent negative and then if there's any sponsors out there who want to put some words in my mouth so i can breathe a little better and sleep a little better at night. Please feel free to DM me or anybody else. I think that we are super glad that we've done this. And the podcast has been a really wonderful journey. And so let's keep that up. Whoa, is this the last episode, Kev? What's going on? No, I don't know. You stay tuned. <laughs> well, that is a wrap for this episode. I hope that you guys enjoyed part two. We had so much fun filming it. Make sure you give five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We read every single review, every single comment. And when you interact with our polls, we be reading all of that. We also look at all the DMs. So feel free to message us and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for supporting us.